Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear ones, thanks again for joining Frank Friedman and me on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. And my name is John Russell, I serve as the host, and I try my best to corral my dear friend Frank. And we've been talking about suffering, Frank. So I'm going to give you one minute to give us a summary of what we talked about in the last episode, suffering in the life of Peter. One minute, you're on. (laughs) Well, suffering we wish could be an elective course, but God says in the book of Peter, in all books, by the way, that it's the will of God sometimes that we suffer. It doesn't mean that it's God's will for us to suffer all the time, but we do live in a world that's fallen. We live with the spirit of antichrist, that which comes against us, and it's here now. It's not just a future person. Paul said, all who desire to live godly will be persecuted, which is very enlightening. You don't have to live godly, just have the desire and you're going to be persecuted. So uh, suffering's coming. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. That's the nature of the game. We are light living in the darkness. But Jesus also said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So suffering helps us learn how to listen to the voice of our God. That's exactly the way Hebrews 5 should be translated for the Lord Jesus Christ. It says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And that word is literally, he learned to listen under the Father's voice through the things he suffered. And so it's not an elective course, though we wish it would be, but it is a required course, one that is essential to our walk, because that suffering can lead us away from what we see away from this world, to put our trust in the God we cannot see. And John, by the way, it's a school. And so it's a a journey. And Peter's journey, I think, was in the, the school of grace, learning to receive from God instead of being a man after the fall and achieving for himself. Did I do it in a minute? Uh, no, a little longer. Well, you did it in a, fr- in a Friedman minute, not in a oh, Russian minute. Well, uh, friends, we finished last episode uh, talking about sort of the capstone of Peter's restoration after his denial of Jesus. We spent quite a bit of time talking about John 21. And if I can very quickly summarize, of course, Jesus uh invites Peter over to the shore. Peter jumps off the boat, swims in rapidly. Jesus has a campfire. And of course, he unpacks all three of Peter's denials. Uh, He asks Peter three times if he loves him. Of course, Peter says yes. And three times, Jesus says these incredibly restorative words. Peter, feed my sheep. In other words, you're still my guy. You're still the one I want to be the shepherd of my flock. 
And it's interesting, Frank, because as I'm thinking about that now, Jesus didn't just say, it's okay, Peter, I forgive you. He didn't just rub his head and say, oh, bless your heart, you meant so well. He really took Peter into a deep dive of his failure. And Mm. then he completely restored him as if he had never even failed. And we mentioned last time, the next time we really see Peter in action, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we see him feeding the sheep, Frank. This is Acts chapter Mm. two. The Holy Spirit indwells him and he delivers a powerful message I would think it impossible before the Holy Spirit showed up. And Frank, 3,000 get saved that day. How many Mm. salvations have you had in one message? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So 3,000 is amazing, Frank. It's just, you know, so Peter's beginning to step into the role that Jesus has laid out for him. But Frank, as you know, there's more to feeding sheep than just what you say. You got to walk the walk, not just mm-hmm. talk it. And mm-hmm. you know that, my friend. And so Father has a has more rounds of suffering for mm-hmm. Peter because there's a mm-hmm. deeper level of maturity he has mm-hmm. set out for this precious jewel of an apostle. So Peter was imprisoned. And tell us about that, Frank. He was beaten, imprisoned, and what went on there? And How can we see how the suffering he is experiencing is beginning to shape him into the man God wants him to be? Well, John, I just want to add one comment about what you said. You talked about this being a school, a journey. We learn and continue to learn of the grace of God. And it's fascinating, you know, in the New Testament, we are perfect, we are righteous, that's our identity. But learning to live from God is a totally different story. It's a process. Hebrews says he is perfecting forever those, he has perfected forever, past tense, those who are being perfected. He has sanctified forever those who are being sanctified. So the thing we have to remember, and a lot of people forget, is that sanctification is both an event and a process. A lot of people think it's only event. A lot of people think it's only process. They're both wrong because they're both incomplete. It is an event in terms of identity and standing, but it's a process in terms of walking it out. And that's why, John, you know, when I travel and teach on the grace of God, inevitably somebody will come up to me and they will say, you know, I understand grace too. And I've got a standard answer. And I say to them, where's your spouse and kids? I'd like to talk to them. And let's see if you understand grace. And boy, you should see them backtrack. Uh, you know, in Dow, South Louisiana, you know this term, we call it crawfishing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they said, well, I'm learning grace. I said, well, I thought that's what you said, because I'm learning grace. My favorite author was Carol Mayall, and she had a phrase that was her sort of motto, and it was a prayer. And she said, Lord, don't ever let me talk beyond my walk. And that's a good thought. That's Peter. 
he starts well. Like you said, boy, scared in that upper room, scared before that campfire. Holy Spirit comes upon him. The ears to hear the truth of who Jesus is, what he's done, what he wants to do explodes in him. And he goes right out into the very city that crucified his Lord and proclaims the gospel. Huge. Then he ends up in prison. <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> how that happens. You know, you become the feeder of God's sheep and bang, you're arrested. So, you know, that had to surprise him, I would oh, think. My goodness. You know, things are going so well. 3,000 people come to Jesus and all of a sudden, bang, yeah. there he is. Yeah. So, yeah, he was, uh, you know, in essence, John, he was, uh, he wasn't a televangelist because they didn't have that, but he was instantly the pastor of a megachurch. <laughs> yes, instantly. And so you, you got to put yourself in his circumstance. If I were he, I would say things like, wow, what did I do wrong? Yeah, exactly. I must have messed up. I really blew it. I can't figure out where I blew it, but I must have blown it. Boy, I am just such a total failure. I can't even deliver a sermon without getting arrested. But you know, mm. he was walking exactly in the path Father laid out for him mm. because it was another lesson of suffering. It's easy to get our mind focused on, wow, 3,000 people one day. It's just going to take a few weeks and the entire nation is going to be saved. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how my mind would run. But Father says, nah, it's not quite that way, son. In fact, we're going to have a little roadblock here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he goes to prison. So I can't imagine what was going through Peter's mind except, you know, questioning and doubt and uh, and certainly went through the mind's of the other believers too, because when he was released from prison, miraculously by the angel, they couldn't believe it either, could they? Yes, that's right. You know, it's interesting, John, you and I have used a motto for years, for decades. Life is all about choices. Choices have consequences. Make good choices. The implication of that is when we make bad choices, we're going to get bad consequences. But what you've just described from the scripture is that our good choices can bring bad consequences because we are light in the midst of darkness. The darkness hates the light and will try to eradicate the light. But again, now that Peter has the Holy Spirit, it's amazing. They beat him. And threw him into prison. And here again, we just have to keep hammering this. Everybody focuses on Paul and quotes that passage from Corinthians 11 and all that came against him. And we agree, a lot came against him, probably more than any other apostle. But don't say that to the neglect that the other 11 didn't suffer as well. Paul was not the only one thrown into prison. So was Peter. And everybody marvels that in Acts 16, after being beaten, Paul and Silas sang praises to God and there was an earthquake. Well, guess what? In Acts chapter five, Peter sang praises to God. Yeah. And they told him, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus and let him go. But he now has ears to hear and he has proven faith walk and he goes right back to preaching. And as we read in the coming pages of the book of Acts, persecution broke out against the church and Stephen became the first martyr. And it doesn't end there. Walking by faith, Peter is the first one to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius. That's Again, right. 
Everybody thinks Paul was the apostle of the Gentiles. So was Peter. And guess what? It landed him in prison again. Again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, it got him in trouble. If I remember correctly, he comes back to Jerusalem and he's explaining what happened. And all of the religious leaders in the city were in a fit, mm-hmm. not because Peter preached the gospel, because he ate with Gentiles. So mm-hmm. I tell you, man, no good deed goes unpunished. No, you know, and think about the upheaval that Peter must have felt on the rooftop mm. when God totally changed his world and said, "Don't mm. call unclean anymore." What I've now called clean, and mm. so Peter takes those first bold steps. He really, Frank, he lived yep. up to Jesus' promise that he had the keys to the kingdom. And so he wielded those keys uh, with Cornelius and his family, with his entire household. And uh, he wielded those keys as he came back to Jerusalem. He was a brave man who really stepped out, even though he faced tremendous adversity. Until, my friend, until we run across Peter again in Galatians chapter 2. And he's up there in a little dining room in Antioch. And he's having a great meal with all the Gentiles. As we used to say down in Louisiana, he's got crawfish, oysters, you know, crabs up there having a great time. But then some folks from Jerusalem show up. And so what happens, Frank, here? what happened to this, this brave, bold, imprisoned man in that dining room? Tell us what happened. Well, John, uh, I would also add that he was probably picking out on some pig. It's <laughs> a barbecued pork ribs. Yeah, what happened to him was the fear of man. Yeah. And the bondage that religion always puts on people. And it's amazing that having been delivered from the bondage of religion and set free to Jesus Christ and free from the law, The moment lawkeepers show up and start pointing their condemning finger at you, the fear of man and your track record of many years of walking in bondage, you can quickly slip back into it. I love the text, John. And as you know, we have a commentary coming out on this book of Galatians, a shameless plug. (laughs) It'll be out soon, Lord willing. It's fascinating, but the word that the Holy Spirit used of Peter slipping away was he did it very sneaky. He just sort of put the crab down, put the crawfish down, and just sort of slowly and slyly backed away, hoping nobody would see him. (laughs) And uh, the one person you don't want to see you has seen you, (laughs) the Apostle Paul. And he's not going to let that happen. He gets in his face. And the amazing thing is that Paul says, I rebuked him publicly. Yeah. Even though he tried to be sly and sneaky and hope nobody noticed, it was public. And so the public denial of the grace of God and the finished work of Christ, Paul could not allow to be restored in private. It had to be done publicly. So Paul says, I opposed him to the face. And, you know, the beautiful thing, John, is that Peter received it because he went on 
to be the champion of grace himself. And he went on to be a shepherd. And apoimano is the Greek word. And shepherds shepherd sheep. And sheep are not very smart. And sheep are prone to wander. And sheep get themselves in trouble. And some 20 years later, when the church is in deep, deep trouble, deep persecution, and somebody needed to step up to the plate and shepherd the sheep, not just in one local church the way Paul did, but the entire world of believers in a circular letter, the one who stepped up to shepherd those who struggle, those who fail, those who have fear, was the Apostle Peter. Yeah. It's almost, John, like, like he's in that letter, such a beautiful letter. It's almost like he says, I know you're struggling. I've struggled too. I know you're failing sometimes. I've failed too. I get it. This is a tough walk. So let somebody who's walked the walk talk the talk under the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wrote that beautiful letter of First Peter. Oh, yeah. And, you know, listening to you uh, quoting the sentiments of Peter, I got to look back at Galatians 2 and how Father supernaturally stepped in and continued the lessons through suffering mm. for Peter. Because beginning in Galatians 2, Peter began to change from a sheep feeder mm. to a real shepherd. Mm. Not only giving words of life, but really living life with people and shepherding them. Mm. When I when I look at Galatians 2, I see the consequences of his failure. And Paul writes, the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with Peter. So even Barnabas was led astray. Mm. And so Peter's failure was not only personal. It was debilitating to many around him. And of course, Paul steps in, confronts him to his face. But he says these words, Frank. He saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. So he didn't mm. slam Peter for being an idiot or a failure. He says, man, your message has lost its focus. Let's mm. get back on track because as shepherd doesn't lead the saints astray. And I've mm -hmm. got to look at this whole thing as really focusing Peter's emphasis on the role he had to lead others and to encourage others that really put him in a position to 30 years later when Nero was killing people right and left to step up and to comfort those who were in affliction. Mm. Wow. What a painful lesson, but a lesson that was necessary in order to, to bring Peter to the shepherd status that he was when he wrote that epistle. Mm. You know, John, I'm listening to you, and I, the thought that's coming into my mind is through Peter's failure, the restoration by Paul that's calling him back to Christ and away from the bondage of man and the religion of man and his eyes being set once again on the living Christ, Peter became a safe man. 
for others who fail. Do you know what I'm getting at? Yes. There are so many people who you would never want to know your failure because they're not safe. Uh, they're not going to treat you with love and a, a holy call on your life, no doubt, a call to repentance, no doubt, but all of that done with an arm around you rather than a finger pointed at you. You know, I can't help but think of David and the old book and remember when he had sinned by taking the census and putting yes. his trust in his army instead of in God. And his cry, this is really enlightening, John, was let me fall into the hands of the living God for there, there is mercy. And that's an amazing statement because Hebrew says our God is a consuming fire, but he is now safe to us through the work of Christ. But then he adds these words, don't let me fall into the hands of man. And boy, John, when I read that, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live in any way that somebody would be saying, boy, don't let me fall into his hands. Uh, I want to live in such a way with the love of God, the grace of God, the holiness of God functioning in and through me that people would say, boy, I want to fall in that guy's hands yeah. because he's going to be a safe harbor but he's going to speak the truth, but it's going to be done in love. Yeah. Well said, my friend. Well said. Well, as we wrap this up, there's one last thought I want to bring up uh, as a picture of just how suffering made dramatic changes in the life of Peter. And that's in how he responded to authority. Hmm. And so I go back to John 18, okay? The um, mm -hmm. soldiers are coming to arrest Jesus. Peter takes out his sword. I think he tries to cut off the servant's head. He mm -hmm. misses, <clears throat> hits the ear. And so there you have Peter just standing chest high against authority, willing to die. Mm -hmm. But then you jump 30 years ahead. In the midst of this letter that we've been talking about, 1 Peter, a letter written to comfort believers who were suffering for righteousness sake, he says this, be subject to every human institution, fear God, and honor the emperor. Now, I want to take a moment, Frank, I, I found this quote that was from a book written by Tacitus, who's a Roman historian, yes. and he mm -hmm. described what was going on at that time. And this is a quote from Tacitus' work. It's this, in their very deaths, these are the believers, they were made the subjects of sport, for mm. they were covered with the hides of wild beasts and worried to death by dogs, mm. or they were nailed to crosses or set fire to and when the day waned, they were burned to serve for the evening light. Mm. So, Frank, this is not just an IRS audit because we're mm. Christians. Frank, this is just gut-wrenching to read what these believers were facing. And Peter, through the suffering he experienced and the life of Christ now 
ever so clear in his mind. He said, be subject to every institution. Fear God and honor the emperor. Frank, I don't even know what to say about that. It's overwhelming. Can suffering change a person so much that they place themselves so fully in the hands of their father, God? I guess so. But boy, it's tough to grasp, my friend. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that is just amazing. It's profound. It's uh, stirring in our heart and in our mind. But I, I do think we need a clarification there, John. I believe that those believers, when they did that and laid down their lives with a government coming against them and taking their life, theirs was the understanding and affirmation, just like Paul, that they were not really being persecuted the world was persecuting the Christ that was in them. That was Jesus' words in Acts 9. You're persecuting me. And that's where Philippians 3 comes in, that we have been granted the privilege of fellowshipping in the sufferings of Christ. And in fact, filling up the sufferings, which basically means the world couldn't hate him enough. That's right. So now they're, they're they hating saved him some enough. for us. Right. Yeah. But... This is not blanket submission to authority. If that authority is calling me to dishonor God, Acts 4, Peter made that very clear. We obey God, not man. That's why when they told him to not preach, he basically would have said, King, I honor your role. You are the king, but I don't honor this decision because I have a higher authority and I'm going to keep preaching. So we obey that authority. I think the key is when it's not causing us to sin. And of course, when they're seeking to kill us, we would lay down our lives. That's very different from fighting a government yes. when it's not an issue of persecution. And so that happens sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's an interesting topic. Perhaps we can explore that to a greater depth in a future <laughs> podcast. Very much so. <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, uh, from my perspective, the dramatic change in the life Absolutely. of Peter, it's just stunning. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah. John, you know, it's interesting. He went from a man who would draw a sword to a man. Jesus told him, you're going to be crucified. And... <laughs> yeah, that's a funny account in a way. Peter looks at the other disciples and says, well, what about them? <laughs> yeah. And Jesus says, no, let me take care of them. I'm talking to you. And we don't know this for sure, but church tradition tells us that when Peter was crucified, the story goes that he requested to be crucified upside down because he did not want to be crucified the same way his master was, that he was not worthy of that. Now, we don't know that. It makes for a, a wonderful thought for our minds and hearts that, John, like you said, this man was so transformed, he would die. He said he would die before, but then fought. But now walking with God and seeing the faithfulness of God and 30 years going by, he will lay down his life. It's amazing. You know, mo many of us, Frank, balk against suffering. Mm -hmm. But 
what we've seen in the past couple of episodes looking at Peter is the amazing fruit that can come from the suffering that Father brings into our life as he Mm. conforms us into the image of his son. Wow. Mm. Not something I ever would choose, but Mm -hmm. it's something that's necessary to be a vessel of life to those who need it. My goodness, uh, what an amazing conversation. Thank you, my friend, for joining this with me. And friends, we thank you for being with us today on the podcast for Our Resolute Hope. We invite you to check out our new website, OurResoluteHope.com. It's changed, new articles, new pictures. It's a new orientation. Hopefully, it's a lot easier for you to find your way around because we've got lots of really useful stuff there, articles, devotionals, ebooks, newsletters, and a greatly revamped store, all centered on delivering to you the precious truth of Jesus Christ as our life. Check mm-hmm. us out on our social media platforms. You'll find us on Facebook, Instagram. We've got our own YouTube channel. And so make sure you like and subscribe and ring that bell so you won't miss any new installments. And I'm just getting ready to post about 19 messages on Psalms. So watch out for those. And as always, we close with the same reminder from Hebrews chapter 6, that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. And boy, Frank, such a hope really rings true when you look at the life and circumstances of the Apostle Peter. Peter calls it a living hope. In the midst of this letter he wrote to those who were suffering horribly, he calls Jesus a living hope. So today and always, cling to that hope. Choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.